We're in our third week of this series called We Can't Stay Here. And my prayer, my belief is that all of you are feeling that nudge. I've said that I believe that as a church, we're in a season that we could call a crossing over season. You know, the scripture says that we're called to go from glory to glory, to take one step from where we are to the next thing that God has for us. And I feel like there's some people today, even specifically here, here, and that's your life. You've been saying to yourself, man, I feel kind of nudged or I feel this pressing. I, I feel like uh, God is calling me to something. And I think you're in the right place today. I think that God, literally, I believe that when the scripture says you were born for such a time as this, I think that there's days uh, that literally you're sitting in a place like it's not an accident. You're here. God's ready to really share something with you and encourage you in something that one that he's probably already been nudging you into, but now he wants to, to give you your word about it. Amen. So just have, you know, listening ears and open hearts uh, to what God really wants to place in you this morning, because I think it can change your life. So let's jump into it. We've uh, we got to do a little bit of review. We're in this series called We Can't Stay Here. It's the third week of it. We conclude the series next week uh, with a really fun sermon that I'm really excited to share. It's a sermon that uh, I'm saying that I was taught by my daughter, Caroline. And so the whole sermon is just a really fun story. Uh, <clears throat> for those of you who don't know, I have a three-year-old and so life is just an adventure, and, uh, and so this sermon really came through just some fun stuff that her and I were doing, so I can't wait to share it with you. That's next week as we close the series, and it's also our last uh, one service, so uh, come celebrate that with us as we, as I've been saying, cross over. So like I said, I believe that um, we, we're in a position where God calls us as Christians uh, to always be growing. Uh, I've said over the last couple of weeks, you don't graduate from faith. It's not like God calls you to something and then you're obedient and then you see a victory in your life or you see a success and then you're like, well, I've got my badge now of faith. I'm good to go. No, God's always calling you to more and glory and glory. He says we go from glory to glory. So there's no like, hey, we've made it. And so a lot of times that's the temptation in our walk with God or with church is like, hey, God's moved in our life or he's done something and we like it. So then we stay there. Like, isn't this wonderful? God did this. We should just stay here. Here, but God's always calling us to more into greater things. And so we talked about how a lot of the great stories or a lot of the great moves of God that we saw in scripture really just start with, they had the inability to stay where, where they were. If you look at Noah or Esther or Moses, all these great moves of God happen in people's life because they didn't have a choice to stay. God kind of kicked them out of the nest and they didn't, there was an inability to stay where they are because God is a person who's always nudging us. You hear me say often that uh, neutral, just being in neutral is not natural to God. God always wants to advance us and grow us. And so we were talking about in Matthew chapter 17, how uh, Jesus, he takes um, Peter, James, and John, he takes them up the mountain and uh, he worked in all these numbers. And so uh, he has all these number groups Jesus works with, but at this story, he takes three, not all the disciples. He takes three up the mountain and there's this really cool God encounter. And uh, he sees Elijah and he sees Moses in this shining light. And Peter's response to this really cool encounter is, hey, he literally says in Matthew 17, he says, hey, this is wonderful. We should stay here. We should build temples and we should just stay here at this place on the mountain. And Jesus is like, well, no, you can't stay here because when you go back down, there's more that I need to do through you in your life. There's more things in greatness that I want to accomplish in you. And so we saw that Peter, after that, uh, he, he, um, 
It, we said the scripture where he says, silver and gold I have none, but what I have I can give to you. Rise up and walk. So he heals somebody. Later after that, he, um, he raises a dead woman from the dead. He raised her from the dead. But then he also preaches to Cornelius uh, who needed to hear about Jesus. And so uh, always growing, always expanding. We can't just settle down. I said that we should be a church that's a camp out church or a stakeout church, not a camp out church. You got a lot of churches, you know, they build something great and they get excited about it. Then they just kind of camp out there. They just kind of, but we should be on a mission. We should be thinking like, God, what's next? What's more? We want to stake out what's more. How many know our friends in Kalamazoo, uh, what we just heard take place? Like we need some churches in positions to eliminate darkness, amen? And so it's important for us to be like, how can we get into the highways and byways like God's called us to do and reach people and love and heal people? John 15, we shared how the scripture says that uh, there's no greater love, there's no greater kind of love than somebody that would lay down their life for somebody else. And so for us, we talked about as we go to two services, there's no greater act of love that you could do than make room for more people here. Lay down your preferences about your coffee bar and your parking space and your same old seat that we love to always sit in and lay down all those preferences. I understand all that stuff, but it's important for us to kind of go with the change. Uh, one pastor used to always say this in my life. He'd say, growth without change is impossible. And uh, I have a 10-month-old little boy and he eats like a man and uh, he's growing and uh change happens. He doesn't fit in his clothes anymore, right? And, uh, and I'm keeping up with him, you know? And so like growth without change is impossible. Healthy things grow. We want to grow, but that's going to cause change around here. Amen. And so there's no greater love that you could do than make preparations. And I so appreciate uh, as we did the schedule uh, for those of you that serve, uh, you know, we're adding two services. It's essentially twice the work. Okay. And, uh, and we sent out all of our schedules and we put everybody in position and none of you declined it. It was awesome. You all said, I'm, s I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. I understand. But no, I'm, I'm being honest. I really do appreciate that we were able to fill two services because you guys understood what it was to lay down your agendas and serve. Somebody say amen. This is good for you. Like I'm giving you encouragement. Say amen yourselves. Amen. <laughs> Uh, but, yeah, but it was awesome. We did all the schedule. We put everything in place and we were able to do it. Why? Because you've laid down your life uh, for loving others. And I think a lot of people love to talk about being Christ-like. We talked about this. Oh, we love being Christ-like until we hear that it's time for us to lay down our life. But the ultimate Christ-like example is when people say, yeah, I'm gonna take up my cross. I'm gonna lay down my life for somebody else. We looked at in Matthew 18, uh, the parable of the sheep, we talked about how the scripture lays out that literally he's saying, hey, the, the, the shepherd, he would leave the 99 to go find the one that's lost. Why? Because the 99, they're going to be all right. But it's the lost one that we should be pursuing. It's the lost one that we should make priority. Amen. As a church, we should be the same way. Hey, you're a Christian. You love God. You're fine. You're going to be all right. You're one of the nine. You're going to be all right. You're going to be able to kind of tend to yourself. But we need to be a church that's in position to go after the one that's lost. Amen. And so those are the preparations we're making. We talked about in Luke how uh, the parable where she's talking about she has uh, 10 coins and she loses one. And it says that she moves her house all around and she lights a light and she's looking all over the place. What was she doing? She was moving things around in order to be able to find the one. Well, what are we doing as a church? We're moving some stuff around. We're adding a service. We're changing some things. Why? Because we want to be able to reach the one. Because the scripture says when she finds the coin, she rejoices and she tells all her friends, heaven does the same thing when we find the lost one. 
When we get somebody in here that we love and we connect and we can bring them to God's light, heaven throws parties. We said it like this, heaven prefers that we put the lost first. We as a church should prefer to put the lost first. It's a good place to say amen. So we shared with you this map uh, that we have, and here's how this is gonna work. By the end of this week, some people will start receiving our mail piece. We did this little flyer, and it invites people to our whole March, all of March, uh, all four weeks. We have the 6th and the 13th, and then on the 20th Palm Sunday, we have Nate Marielke here, uh, who's gonna be leading us in worship and also preaching. And then the week after that, the 27th is Easter. So we've basically thrown a whole party and, uh, and God's into parties. God is not into empty seats. Somebody say amen. We all know the story where uh, there was a banquet being thrown and some people had a bunch of excuses about why they couldn't show up. Well, I bought a piece of land. I need to go check on it. Well, I just got married. I can't come to the thing. And the master's response was, hey, I'm not into empty seats. You go out there and find people to be in my house. Somebody say amen. That's gonna be our mission as a church over the next 14 days and through the whole month of March is, look, we're not gonna have empty seats. We're gonna go to two services, but we're still not gonna have empty seats. Why? Because the master wants his house full, amen? And people say, well, you're just about numbers. You just wanna grow the church. Absolutely, 100%. Because every person is, every number is a person and every person matters to God, amen? So this is 83,000 homes that you're looking at right here if you haven't seen this yet. And uh, every person in that region and territory is going to get a mail piece from us, inviting them to the month of March. And my desire is that you pray. You just pray that they see it. <coughs> um, we were, uh, I was praying this week and talking to some people that I pray with, and uh, they were saying, uh, I just saw a picture of that mail piece coming alive, which looks really funny. You know, it like comes off the counter and is running around or whatever. But I'm telling you, some people that have come as the result of our last mail piece, they're like, we don't know why we kept it on the refrigerator for nine months, but there was something about it. I believe God can use a mailpiece, amen? If he used a star above a manger to direct people to where they needed to go, I mean, you know, a little mailpiece can get people in the house of God, amen? And so just be praying. As you get that in your mailbox, take that thing and pray. Or uh, if you're gonna keep coming here in March, maybe give your mailer away to somebody else. Uh, that was a joke too. But uh, some of you are deciding, I don't know, I gotta see this two-service thing. I don't know, nine o'clock is really, no. But 83,000 homes, there's a potential. So this is 83,000 homes. There's potential for 332,000 people in these homes are gonna be invited. That's a half an hour distance uh, radius is what, what they say you need to be. We have the potential of 100,000 kids are being invited to this church. And we have stuff planned for them. We have gifts and we have games and we have all kinds of ways. For some, it'll be the first time they've ever experienced God. Think about that. Somebody might get a mailer who has no church history and they may say, boy, this looks pretty fun. Do you wanna go on Easter? We should go as a family to Easter. And a kid will walk through that door and for the first time hear about Jesus. Somebody say, amen. It's a big deal. We gotta be praying about it. We gotta make room for it. A lot of people say, well, I don't know, you know how many we're gonna be able to reach in Grand Rapids. You know, it's so churched already. There's a church on every corner. But in the latest Barna research data, they said that Grand Rapids is the third least churched city in Michigan, and it's the 37th most unchurched uh, city in our country. And because we've had so much growth over the last few years and economic, all that stuff, uh, there's a huge need here. A lot of people think, well, there's a church on every corner. But if we were to all get in our cars and leave here, 
There's more people at Meyer right now. There's more people at Target right now. There is a huge harvest out there than when we just go, well, there's churches on every corner. There's a huge harvest out there. And it's important for us to go, like scripture said, be fishers of men, amen? We gotta go get them. So we have to make them a priority. God told us the instruction that we see is for us to be a people who are conscious of reaching the lost. Now, are we gonna neglect you who are a believer? No, it's, we're not changing anything. We already are conscious of, uh, of how we reach people. And so your church isn't gonna change. You're not gonna walk in. It's not gonna be all different. And no, we're, we're gonna be what we are now. Everything that we love, this is who we are. And we just wanna share it with more people. Everybody say, that's good. I love what Mother Teresa said. I shared it last week. It says, a life not lived for others is not a life. You could say that about a church. A church that's not designed for others is not, it's not living as a church. It's not how God created a church to be. And so I brought this picture with me last week, and then we'll move into some new content. But I brought this with me last week. This is a taser. And uh, I shared that through the month of March, if I see anybody who already comes here, you know, if you're already a member of the church, you're already connected to the church, you're already an attender. If, uh, if I see any of you in the month of March talking to each other, you'll be tased. We just got people that are lined up to tase. And uh, if you're talking to each other, you'll just be tasing. And, uh, and, and it's a joke, but here's the point. It's like, let's be thinking of the new people. Let's notice and love and connect new families as they come in with kids and say, hey, can I, can I show you the kids ministry? Our kids love kids and da, 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 and just share all the things that you love about this church. Encourage them about it because the statistic says that over 92% of people that connect with the church, uh, they do it because they have a relationship with somebody who goes there. Unfortunately, it's not because of the pastor. It's not because of the music as much as we'd love to feel so loved. It's because they have somebody there that they connect with, that they know believes in them. So we need to be that, amen? I got a call this week that really annoyed me. And it didn't annoy me in the beginning, but we bought some new website domains and stuff and we must have fallen into a category or somebody must have been able to look up that we bought websites. So our website is verticalstory.com and the whole idea is loving others towards God, vertical, and this is our story. And the scripture says we're living epistles. And so our story is telling the goodness of God. I can go on and on, but... So anyway, I get this call from somebody who must have saw we bought websites and they say, hey, oh man, we, we found something great for you. We're so, we just, we really, we fell into something for you. We really want you to hear about this. The domain, my vertical story is available for you. My vertical story. And I get that that's a cool thing. I get that whole side of it. And so I said, oh, you know, we're not interested and it doesn't really line up with who we are. So thanks for calling, but whatever. And so I kind of moved on. Well, then they sent me an email. Oh, we, you know, we really think, and it wasn't like, hey, we want to give you this. They wanted to like 10 times overcharge me for this site that they bought up. So I just started writing them back. Just was going to do a, hey, no thanks for real. We're really good. But I started on, hey, no thanks. It really doesn't line up with who we are because we're not about ourselves in our church. We're about others. So my vertical story doesn't really work because it's our vertical story. And, and so all of a sudden I found myself about 15 minutes later in a huge email. And I was like, why am I this mad about this? And, I'm, and I didn't send it because they would have been like, wow, seriously, that guy. But it was interesting how much rolled out of me that we should be a place. This isn't a me church. This is a we church. This isn't a my church. This is an our church. And that's how we should view our community. Like if it matters to your neighbor, it should matter to you. If it matters to that school, then it should matter to you. 
Amen? And so I didn't like my vertical story. <laughs> so that's my thing there. But it really got me thinking is like, even the way that we pray, we don't pray, God, give us our city for us. We want our city. God, give us our city. We, want... we pray, God, give us to our city. We exist for others. The church exists, and literally the, that's our translation of church, is we're the called out ones. We exist for others. We exist to make connections. And so our prayer, even as we get mailers, when you get your mailer and we send all that stuff out, that's us saying to our communities, here we are for you. We're here for you. But what we can't be is a community of people when people come in where we're like, don't touch my coffee. You're in my seat. I can't serve a second service. <laughs> this is mine. I need my, my. I know this is none of you. I'm, I'm serious. I, I'm okay. Some of you. <laughs> we have to be a people like, hey, this is for you. This is for you. You with me? Or how many are with me? Okay. <laughs> Doesn't sound like it. <laughs> but people come in and it's like, hey, hey, this is for you. I'm here for you. How can I help you? How can I love? How can I? We got to exist for others. I heard this thought this week. It just totally wrecked me. It said, if all your prayers came true today, would it change the world or would it just change your life? How do you think about others when you pray for yourself, when you pray for your family? Is it all have to do with you? Or if all your prayers were answered today, would it change the world? We have to have a mindset that exists for others, loving others toward God. Amen? That's what Jesus did. He walked on this earth and he showed up to tax collectors and prostitutes and other people. And he said, hey, won't you come with me while I? You belong on my journey he said to Zacchaeus in the tree, hey, why don't you come down? I'm coming to your house. Why? Because I want to be a part of what you're doing. This is a we thing, not a me thing. Amen? That's how the church should be. We talk about often how, uh, I've said this before, you can't just wake up one day and say, you know what? This morning I'm going to wake up and I'm going to pull somebody from a fiery crash and I'm going to save their life and I'm going to be in the paper. I'm going to be a hero today. Today, the burning building, I'm gonna run in and I'm gonna say, you can't wake up and decide that you're gonna do that. But every day you can wake up and you can say to God, God, I want to be a spiritual hero to somebody today. Lead me into a burning relationship. Lead me into a situation that I can save somebody from damage. Somebody say amen. All you gotta do is ask God. Say, God, put me in a position where I can listen or I can speak the right word or maybe I can invite somebody to church. I wanna be a person who can spiritually save somebody, amen? So we need you over these next 14 days and into March. We need you to help us make room for others and to help us love people and help us connect with people. Uh, the story in Exodus chapter seven is exactly where we are as a church. We see the story where uh, Joshua is leading Israel into battle, and some of you know this story. But during the process, it says that Moses ascended up on the mountain, and any time that he had his hand raised over the situation or over the battle, they would see victory. But anytime that he would get fatigued, of course he would get fatigued. Uh, his arms would go down, they would begin to lose and they would lose men. And so the scripture says that his assistants or his, his right hand people or his people who had his back, uh, Aaron and Hur, it said that they came alongside him and they held up his arms. And for as long as even his arms were supported, even by somebody else, it said that there was victory in the battle. That's where this church is at right now. If you, it's not about me. 
Uh, it'd be great if we do mailers and I can come up with all these creative sermons and all this stuff and we can have good music and graphics. But if we don't have people that are coming alongside the church and holding up the arms, we won't see victory, amen? It's important for us for not only this week, but next week, but as we get the mailer and into March, it's important for us to say, hey, we gotta get to church today. We gotta get to church today because we gotta hold up the arms. We gotta hold up the arms. We gotta, new people are coming in and we gotta greet them and we gotta smile at them and we gotta make them a coffee and we gotta make sure their kids are having a good time, amen? We gotta hold up the arms of this church, not for me, not for you, but for the glory of God and for others, amen? That's what it's about. I thought about this, I'll close with this. The scripture says, you've heard me say this before too. In closing, uh, he says that we have a scripture that says, for we cannot, uh, for we have a high priest who can sympathize with all of our weaknesses because in all ways was tempted, but was without sin. So talking about how Jesus, we serve a God who knows what it's like to come here and deal with earth, problems and temptations and frustrations and struggles. He came and he took on flesh and blood. And so one of the names of God you could say about God is that he's the God who knows what it's like to be us, to deal with what we deal with. Well, if we're called the body of Christ, we need to be people that show others, not judgment, but hey, come with me. I know what it's like to deal with that and to deal with that. And here's what God did in my life to get me out of that. Not in a judgment way, not in a condemnation, but hey, come, come with me while I, just like Jesus. I can show you a way out of that. I remember when, you, when I felt hopeless. I remember when I felt in the dark. I remember when I felt like there was no way but then God came in. If we can be the body of Christ that comes alongside and shows them, hey, in all ways I've dealt with everything, but you know what? God delivered me from it all, amen? Let's be that as a church. There's three ways that we can display God's love in our life. So I guess what I'm trying to say is one of, one of the ways that you can tell that God is at work in your life is when these three things happen. It's a pattern in scripture, number one, you understand God's love towards you. You understand, you know what? God loves me and he's chosen me. That's one of the ways. The other way is that you show your love to God. So you can tell that God is at work in your life because you understand God's love towards you, but then you also give back God's love. You give back love to God. So that's why we worship and that's why we give and we acknowledge him as Lord of our life. But the third way that scripture mentions that you show the love of God in your life is when you have love for your fellow brother and sister. I got some scriptures here that will show it, but you can understand the love of God and you can show love back to God. But if you don't show love to your fellow brother and sister, you're missing it. John 13, 34 says, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. And then it says this, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. How do you know when somebody's following God? How do you know when somebody's a disciple and a follower? It's when they love one another. It's when they consider others. It's when they say, hey, we can't stay here. We gotta make room for others. We gotta make room for more because it's about loving one another. John, 1 John 3.17, it's what we read earlier. Let's take the money portion out of it. It says, if someone has enough to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? So we've taken the money part out of there. If you have the goodness of God in you and you show no compassion to somebody, if you're living well on what God's done in your life and you're not sharing that with somebody else, how's the love of God exist in you? 
How can you say I'm a follower? I, we got to be people who share what God has done in our life. Acts 2, 42. This is like the first picture of sort of how God wants us to live in the New Testament and church and, and work among another. Acts 2, 42 says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Really important things there. Teaching and hanging out, fellowship and breaking bread together, which breaking bread in scripture at that point, if you broke bread together, it meant I got your back. One of the translations of breaking bread with somebody, uh, you were saying I'm bound to you. That's why when Judas betrayed Jesus, if you look at the scripture, remember he said, go and do what you, he didn't break the bread with him at that time because he wasn't gonna give the symbol of, hey, I'm connected, I'm bound to you. So what it's saying is like, hey, the teaching, the fellowship, the showing one another that I support each other by breaking bread and to prayer. Verse 43, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Verse 44, all the believers were together and had everything in common. They were in unity. They were working towards the same thing. They sold property and possessions and gave to anyone who had need. They considered one another even financially. Verse 46, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. A couple things I want to point out here. It says that they were praying people, they were grateful people, they were sincere people, and they were loving people. And when we walk in those things, God will add to us. Somebody say amen. Those who are being saved, those who are being healed, those who are being set free. If we can walk in those things, that's how God instructed us to live. We are a we church, not a me church. It's not my vertical story. It's our vertical story. Amen. It's not about a pastor, it's about a family. It's about us caring about our community, living with things in common and unity towards one another, amen? Why don't you stand to your feet? I'm gonna pray for all of us in a minute to just run with this over the next 14 days and as the mailer hits, that we just get a burden to fill the house. To, we don't want empty seats. We want to be able to go to the highways and byways and compel people to come to what God has. Amen? So we'll pray that in a minute. But with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're in here this morning, nobody's going to look around, nobody's going to single you out. But if you're here today and you say, Pastor Josh, I, I've been here and I've been listening to what you're saying and I've been even getting some, maybe some nudges from God or some things that have maybe pressed on your heart a little bit, and you know you can't stay where you are in life. You know that you just need to make some changes. You need to make some decisions about the way that you've been living or uh, you just know that, you know what? I want God's best for my life. I'm not gonna stay in this place where I'm in control. You wanna let God be the driver in your life. If that's you with nobody looking around, I'm gonna give you the opportunity to pray the prayer of salvation. You won't come forward. You won't be embarrassed. We're not gonna try to put you in a class or anything but this is a moment between you and God and me. I wanna be able to just pray for you right where you're at. As a matter of fact, all of us are gonna pray together out loud. But it's important that you just in your heart make that decision that God, I'm gonna choose you as Lord of my life. So some people call it the salvation prayer. Some people call it the sinner's prayer. All that matters is that in your heart, you're acknowledging a need for God in your life and you're asking him to forgive you of your sins and make you new. So I'm gonna give you that opportunity. If you're in here and you want me to lead you in that prayer, and you want 
to be on your way to heaven. You want to be a Christ follower. You want to choose him as your Lord and Savior. With nobody looking around, when I count to three, I'll have you raise your hand. One, two, three. Right where you are, just shoot it up, and I'll be praying with you. See that one? Anybody else? You say, count me in on that. I don't want to miss this moment. Like I said earlier, I believe that God created you for such a time as this. Maybe you used to follow and you've kind of slipped away and today you want to make a commitment like I'm, I'm not looking back. I'm going forward. If that's you, just slip your hand up. I'll count you in. All right, I see that. Anybody else? All right. So together, you're making the best decision of your life. This is the greatest prayer you could ever pray. God, change me, make me new. And the great part is he does that and your eternity has changed. So all of us together, let's pray this. Say, God, today I choose you to be my Lord and Savior. Help me to walk with you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen.